episode number 48, Siobhan Sleeth. Welcome back to the Title Block, a podcast about Canadian theatre designers, their history and their craft. And yes, I'm Michael Cruz, your host. And this time I have an interview with lighting designer Siobhan Sleeth. I spoke with Siobhan just before the opening of her Shaw Festival debut in June of 2017. We talk about her many years at Stratford, her career in dance and musical theatre, and what she thinks you need to do to build your taste as a designer. This is the last of the 2017 interviews, and starting sometime later in September, we'll bring you interviews with designers like Jamie Nesbitt and Dana Osborne. And I finally caught up with Glenn Davidson to talk about the rise of the Poor Alex group of companies in the late 1980s in Toronto and the start of the Toronto Fringe. Also, I'm arranging interviews with some terrific senior designers, including, yes, Astrid Jansen, Kevin Frazier, and Mary Kerr. So the next several months are going to be filled with fantastic conversations about Canadian theatre history. Now, Mary Kerr lives out in Victoria, B.C., and I'm planning a trip out there in December here from Hamilton, and I need your support to get there. So go to patreon.com and search for the title block, or click on the link in the show notes. If you're already a supporter, thank you for your support in recording the history of Canadian theatre design. Now, enough of that. Please enjoy this interview with lighting designer Siobhan Sleeth. Siobhan Sleeth is a lighting designer based in Toronto, uh, been designing since the early 2000s after graduating from York University, working, uh, looks like, across the country, uh, including several dates at Drayton uh, Theatre Aquarius, uh, Neptune Theatre, and this summer, uh, starting at the Shaw Festival. Welcome to the title block. Thanks so much. So now you uh, went to York University and got your BA there mm-hmm. uh, in, in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you make that decision to go to York and what made you think that theater was a great idea? Um, well, I always knew I wanted to go into theater at um, uh, out of out of high school. Like I had a, I had a love of theater and um, I wanted to go in. Uh, I initially... I auditioned f- with my monologues. Oh, I wanted to. I wanted to go in for acting, and yeah. then it was after my first year. Uh, I did a crew on lighting, and I just was like, "Oh no, actually, this is what I want to do." <laughs> it was. It was. It was one of those because I didn't know. I mean, I went to. I, I grew up here in Toronto at a high school that was not an arts high school, and I just knew that I loved the process. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really realize that there was a whole other series of of jobs in it that were that were options right, yeah. I just didn't know so um yeah so so that's what that's what that's what brought me to it I mean I chose York it, it was mostly financial because yeah. I couldn't afford to go I couldn't afford to leave sure. uh the city yeah. um and uh you know it just allowed me yeah. <laughs> to have a car it allowed yeah, me to have yeah, yeah. to work at like to keep the job I was lifeguarding to pay for it and everything at uh, for the city and and uh, yeah, so it just made it just made the most sense financially and and all that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how was your uh, experience at York? It's uh, I just uh, we just interviewed um, uh, Julian Gallo today, and mm-hmm. uh, she went to York. And there seems to be themes that pop up. I seem to do like groups of people that worked all together, uh, and this has uh, delightfully happened again. Yeah. So how was you went to school with Julian at, uh, yes. at York as yeah, well as yeah, a whole bunch of you? So how was your experience at York? Um, and uh, who were your instructors there at the time, uh, and and how did you uh, how did you find your way through the program? Like uh, obviously you decided to design, mm-hmm. sort of sprung up on you early, but um, uh, or kind of in a surprising way. Uh, but how did you find the program and and uh, and find your way through it? Um, uh, I enjoyed it. I I really. I mean, we the group of us in our year there was a there was a there was a really tight knit group for. <clears throat> about two years ahead of us and and a year behind that we're all really uh really close and and that um I mean that impacted a lot that made a big you know because we were all there and it was all so intense and we were there all the time and yeah. we were working all the time um so I mean that that just kind of that's really what what made it like the just the relationships and the friendships and all of us you know nothing is more important than this that we're doing. So, I mean, 
in hindsight, probably not, but <laughs> but it was great at the time. Yeah. So who were you there with besides Jillian? Um, Scott Penner uh, was in the set design class. The uh, he, he was in my year. Um, uh, also, still work. Andrea Mittler. She's a, a set designer who was there at the same time. She was just a year ahead of us. Uh, Jason Hand was there a couple of years behind. Laura Gardner. Um, Joanna, you would have been my, uh, I don't no. think we crossed over. I don't think we crossed over. I think we became friends after York. Um, so, the, I mean, those are a few that are still working. Yeah. And, and, and why lighting as opposed to set or costumes or sound or, um, well, when I was there, I studied, I, I, I was studying set design while I was there. Uh, I actually took costume design for a year too, but I just simply wasn't very good at costume right, design. Sure. <laughs> just one of those things. I really liked set, but I wasn't, um, I, I, I'm just not, uh, it, the, the construction minded stuff. It just didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't sit well with me. I did like, I did it the whole, I did it the whole year and, uh, and, uh, or the whole, sorry, the whole four years that I was there, I, 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 I took the classes in it, but it just wasn't. I didn't really feel any passion for it right, yeah. the way I did with lighting. It just kind of made more sense to me, I guess yeah. is it does kind of, sorry, it does kind of have to make sense to lighting is one of those kind of abstract things that you yeah. either get it or you don't. Right? Yeah. 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 And I mean, I studied stage management as well when I was there. That was, I mean, that was, but what I loved was calling a show. Yeah. That's, that's what it always right. was. It was calling the show and like nailing the, the lighting cues and the sound cues. That was my favorite part about stage management. So, and of course, time is such an important part of or important aspect of lighting design. It's mm-hmm. a temporal art, so that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so, when you left York, um, did you get to, you went to Stratford as a as a, an assistant? Uh, did you start at Stratford right away? No, it was a few years out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't start in Stratford until two thousand and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a few years. Um, I did a lot of dance when I left straight out. Um, uh, uh, Brandy Leary, uh, who runs an Undum Dance Theater, um, y- her and I started working together uh, in those first few years and just doing shows. So it was a lot of her work, and through her, I met Jennifer Robichaud, who um, runs Larshow Dance, uh, and started working with her as well a lot. So it was a lot of that, and then a few community theater musicals and and um, Fringe, and and it was a lot of that for a number of years, and then it was. Um, I was the PA at the COC, actually. I did th- I did that for because I was still sort of stage managing and lighting design the first few years out. I wasn't really set on um, what would be my career, and I was working with um, uh, I was working on Valkyrie as a PA at the COC, working with Michael Levine, and he, we went for coffee one day, and we were, you know, he asked me, "What? So what do you, you know, you want to be a?" TD. He thought I wanted to be a TD at the time because of, of, uh, what I was doing there. And, uh, and I said, no, actually I'm a, I'm a lighting designer and I've done, you know, I've done this, I've done that. Um, you know, I did a fringe show down in New York. We got a review in the New York Mm -hmm. times, all these things. I was just trying to, you know, impress him. And, and what he said to me was, he's like, well, who have you assisted? And I kind of went, well, no, no one. I'm a, I'm a lighting designer. And he's like, no, 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 Siobhan, you don't understand. You're never going to be a designer if you don't assist someone. You are like, uh, I mean, as every designer is just kind of who their mentors were. And, and so, you know, we talked a lot about it and he's, and I wind up uh, going to Stratford the next year. Right. What great! Well, that's that's fantastic advice. Too. Mm-hmm. I was working on Valkyrie as a PA. I mean, that's a giant show. It was huge. And Levine's design was just incredible. Stunning! Right? Oh, it was stunning! It was so beautiful. I would, you know, it was it was great, and I loved it. I mean, I would always every free second I had, I was always hiding up behind the tech table so I could watch lighting levels and what David Finn was doing and all of that. That's where I always was the whole time I was PAing. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was just so much work and. And, uh, did you take anything from uh, David's process when he was setting lighting levels? Like, I guess I'm always curious about how other people do their work. Like, um, was it something that was, uh, uh, was unexpected or was it the same? Like, let's try this. Let's try that. What do we have? What goals do you have to achieve? Honestly, I don't, Oh, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And I don't know if I, 
I mean, at, at York, having like having Teresa Przybylski and Sean Kerwin mm-hmm. as it, as and Liz Asselstein, who has the uh, they had a big background in opera, Liz right. and Teresa. Liz yeah. assisted there for years. So we would go and see every single, we would usually go to the third orca at right. school. So I had a, a, I was used to going and just watching the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember at that time, I don't remember if I was specifically paying attention to that yeah. aspect of it. I mean, more recently, sure. I did <laughs> Even after that, I would have, but I don't, I can't, I don't remember. That's okay. But still a great experience to sort of see what the potential was for theater, right? Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, And so, uh, so Levine tells you to go to assist and so you go to Stratford. Yeah. 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 It was, it was that simple. It was that simple. No, that's great. I had a similar experience. I was a designer for a few years after Ryerson in the nineties and I went to Mm -hmm. uh, Shaw as my first kind Mm -hmm. of big assisting gig and that's where I learned a lot of work. So when you go to Stratford, um, this was in the early, this is in 2007, you yeah. said? Yeah. So I spoke with uh, um, uh, Lorenzo Savuini about his experience, I guess, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it, the, the process sort of come, has changed over the years, depending on who's in charge and what their needs are. What was your responsibility as the assistant there? And uh, what was your, what was your expectation? What was the expectation from the designers when you first started there? Uh, I would it, it certainly changed throughout my time there. Uh, my first year, it was very much, um, I assisted Kevin Frazier on three shows. who's brilliant and a fantastic teacher. I've worked with him a, a number of times and he's fantastic and it was very much um learning learning the the politics of stratford of course uh learning his process learning um just how to assist but it was very much um uh you know he kind of showed me how to do everything the the through the whole way you know he'd give me the templates of how he wanted things done and and then um uh you know, throughout my years there, the, the more I learned, the more I would just do. Um, I mean, certainly by my last year, um, working with Michael Walton and uh, Rob Thompson, uh, it, you know, it's a different level of of being able to go around and, um, you know, sorting out all the set practicals. You know, being able to make suggestions as to okay, well, if we need to light in here, let's do this and this, and um, you know, helping out sourcing different equipment orders to buy and different LEDs and doing the research and things like that. On on, so it 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 definitely changed throughout. I mean, it was always drafting and it was always paperwork. It was always that stuff, but um, the level of it changed throughout for sure. Uh, I'm curious about the system. Um, I don't know if I've spoken to any lighting designers yet who have assisted at Stratford. Um, tell me about the system at Stratford, because I know at, um, for example, at Shaw, uh, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort. The, 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 um, the basic plot changes from year to year, depending on the needs of the designers. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is, especially on the festival stage, then at Stratford, there's a very specific way that that was set up by Michael mm-hmm. Whitfield that seems to have carried through, right? That's still... Not, not now. That would have changed uh, probably my first year at the festival theater which oh, would have really? been 2008 okay. we did a huge overhaul of uh whitfield's plot right i think it was 2008 we did that and can you tell can you describe what changed um it was just it was just everybody just kind of thought it was time for a change right. I, I i think rob thompson designed the basic that year uh, yes. and i think walton did it the next year i think i think i'm remembering that correctly um so it was just everybody just kind of decided it was time for a change. It's the same. I it was the same basic idea. I mean, you know, thrust lighting design is there's certain things you need for it. Um, but I know with Whitfield's plot, it was very much in the round. Um, right. Like everything was based on on ones in different areas. I didn't work on that plot, so I I don't have it in my head as well. Uh, whereas what it was changed to uh, was more in systems. So you know, die front from this, die front from that, die back and. And uh, it was more channeled for that. Right. So it was just a bit different. Yeah, that makes more sense. I uh, worked with Rob at Shaw, and that's the way that we thought there. Yeah. Right. We yes. All, we all, and then they were cut. Um, and again, just about sharing experiences, they were cut. So, for example, 
the there'd be the first there'd be the Shaw and then there'd be the musical and uh, obviously the set so we put the sets down on a, a composite set design and then we'd sort of negotiate yeah uh, all the cuts uh, and I imagine there's a similar system yeah. that yeah. Robert was using there um, interesting and then what about um, uh, my other my other notion was that the basic at Stratford was um, like it shot was very comprehensive. Mm-hmm. So the the lights that were used, you were putting on top, were basically show specific concepts that had to like the set mm-hmm. or had to achieve a goal to tell the story. Um, uh, but there weren't a lot of them, and most of the other stuff was just specials or filling in the gaps from the um, from the basic to make it work in that set. Yeah, uh, was that a, my understanding in Stratford was that the the basic for Whitfield was very comprehensive uh, and. Oh, sorry, was not very comprehensive. So there was a lot of stuff that you had to do to sort of make specific for your show. Was that a similar experience when Rob did it? Or can you describe uh, if you were left like holding the bag for a lot of your stuff um, uh, as a designer? I don't think so. I think it, it, I mean, it was a pretty comprehensive basic from, uh, it was, it was, there was a, there was a lot in it. Um, But that said, everybody still got, 30 to 50 specials at the same time. So, um, and again, that changed kind of through throughout the years, I think, uh, cause there were some years that the floors, uh, oh, right. did not even it, like, it wasn't, it wasn't close to like they, we needed a lot of extra stuff right. for a couple of that. I know the Tempest year, like that floor got quite wide. And, uh, so there was a lot of stuff that, uh, that, that, that we had to all take into account. That's interesting. Um, fantastic. So, um, uh, we also, what other, what were your other responsibilities at, um, at Stratford during those five years? You were, were you stuck? Were you, um, stuck, not stuck. Were you assigned to one specific designer for the season or were you assigned to a venue? Uh, assigned to a venue. Okay. Assigned to a venue. And right. I kind of did the, I kind of did the, I worked everywhere but the Tom Patterson in my, in my five years there. Uh, I was mostly on the festival stage though. I spent most of my time there. Um, yeah, so it was it was it was a, a lot of working with the electrician. Yeah. It was a lot of that, um, and just just managing it all. I mean, sometimes it was just finding the biggest part of my job. So many so many uh, parts of the season was just finding time for designers. You know, just a, an hour of notes here and an hour of notes there. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's much the same. It's it's much the same as the as the Shaw assisting program and right. the, and the, it's, 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 it's quite similar to all that. Right. And, uh, you were designing over the winter after you, uh, yes. were at Shaw. How, or sorry, Stratford, how long was the contract in Stratford? It depended on the year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, earlier in, in my time there, they were quite short contracts. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, I think by my last year, I think it was a seven or an eight month contract. Right. So it was, it was, a substantial part of my year. Yeah, and I, I would usually even try to go back when it, things got quiet and do a few small shows. I was always trying to keep doing the, at least the dance shows for the companies I worked for. Those I would always go back for. Um, you know, just to keep, just to, you got to keep your name in the city. Yeah. Not just, not just get, get buried in one place or just, you know. Yeah, that's a big risk of working mm-hmm. in the big festivals. So tell me about the dance stuff that you were doing. So um, did you have a lot of experience doing dance when you were at York, or was it something you had to sort of figure out after you left, or um, those kind of systems? I mean, I guess it's a pretty standard thing. But. It's it, Yeah, it is pretty standard. I mean, uh, the, the York had a lot of – it did work parallel with the, um, the dance department a lot. I, I was never on any of those shows. Um, but it was certainly something that we, that we studied. And I think we went, uh, I, I mean, again, because like Teresa Bruzbilski, she was doing Firebird while I was there. So we would, we saw Firebird while we were at York. We saw, um, Swan Lake while we were there. So there, it, it became a lot of classroom discussions, how it worked and how it went together. So, I mean, I was always interested in it because of that. Um, but it was more just out of you know, mutual friends and, you know, a need for a designer, how I wound up meeting Brandy and, and working with her and how we started collaborating together. And tell me about the collaboration. Cause a lot of my dance experience was a lot of working with, um, uh, with health house plots and sort of adapting mm-hmm. stuff. Were you doing, was that a lot of the work you were doing or was it uh, really ground up kind of design? At the start it was, 
uh, we did a lot of work at Artwood Artwood Theater. Yes. If you remember, if you remember that when that was there, so oh, we yeah, did. Very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was all house plot stuff, but I mean. It was a funny space, so... Yeah, not, not what, what would anyone would consider a dance venue no. primarily. It's like a 10-foot ceiling and very it's no, a black box it's theater, just, although it's, all painted white at the time, right? Because it was a gallery yeah, space or something. Yeah. yeah, well, there was two spaces, and it was it was a, it was a funny space. Uh, mm. yeah, I don't know. We, we did a lot of shows there at the, mm. at the when we first graduated. Um, uh, but no, I started working with Brandy then, and it was more... Um, I mean, her company, Anandam, has developed so much over the last... Mm-hmm you know, 15 years it, and, and, you know, the more she, she's uh, like an absolute warrior when it comes to like learning new things. And she's so huge on it. She's away in, I think she's in Iceland right now, um, researching, um, for a project about, uh, well, climate change and, uh, just with the, the, the ice flows and everything. She's, she's away doing that right now, but she, um, she just does so much. She's grown her work so much over the years, just with what she she um, just with what is going on with her life. Mm-hmm. So back then, it was very much house plot and theaters and everything, and then it it developed into more a grassroots type, like you had said. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a lot of work at the Bata Shoe Museum. She is a Mrs. Bata. Uh, uh, I don't know how she met her, but she quite likes, she likes Anandam's work. So she's given us the museum a few times to do shows in. Um, uh, We did three there. One was an, the most recent was an augmented reality show that we used parts of the back and, and, um, and uh, uh, just areas in the lobby and walk people through. And, and uh, uh, one was hanging off the roof of the Badashu Museum uh, on, yeah, it was, uh, uh, Brandy's partner or her husband was an engineer. Uh, he passed away last year, but he was a, an engineer and he would just do these, you know, figure out how to hang dancers off of oh <laughs> window washing points. And he was just, he was great. Uh, and then the first show was all inside. There's a, there's hanging points now. There's like a, a structure that goes in, but he was the one that initially put those points in and got them certified. Cause we did, we had these ropes that were inside around the staircase of the Bada, right. um, where aerial artists were. And then you could watch over the balcony at people dancing. So the, um, it was a very moving like um, a movable lighting design based right. on, and you can't do a, you can't do a lot there because you can't leave anything. Right. It has to be cleared out every day. Right. It, uh, and there's not, you can't, there's not a lot of control of the actual house lighting. So it was a bit tricky, but, um, but like a lot of fun working at the Bata yeah. for sure. Uh, and tell me your, um, uh, cause you've done, I mean, you've done a lot of, uh, musicals, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, some musical projects, some some just uh, legit theater stuff. Uh, how does that differ to your approach uh, in dance? Like, what do you start with in dance uh, when you're putting your kit together? Like, is it uh, is it the standard side kits, shins and tips and things like that, or do you start from uh, more of a conceptual place uh, now with uh, with the choreographer? Kind of depends on the project. Sure. Depends on uh, depends on where it is and what we what we uh, what we needed to see. With Brandy, I don't think of it in in side kits right. and anything anymore because yeah. it it's um, um, the work's kind of gone to a place where that doesn't fit. Right. She she just wants to you know just break out all the rules of like traditional structure, and everything has to be. You know, the question she always wants to ask is, why are we doing this? Like, why is this a part of what we're still doing? So everything has to fit in a way that isn't um, stereotypical dance. She doesn't want to do that. Um, and that's not the case in, in, like, there's lots of stuff that I do that isn't like that. But but for her specifically, typically, uh, I don't usually start by thinking about it that way. It's just what what images do I need to create to facilitate um, what we're doing. Um, a lot of our recent work has um, kind of centered around projection design. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eamon McBannon is our uh, projection designer, and he does just beautiful work with the, the ice flows. He's been doing a lot of... Uh, he's a photographer in his own right, and and um, and is doing... He just... 
has lots of um, footage just from his different trips and everything. So uh, it's a lot of it's just how do I, how can I light the bodies and just sit above what he's just, or like not take over what he's doing. Um, because that's what's telling the story. That's what's getting the, the images out. So. Yeah, that's always a delicate balance. Yeah. Um, that's terrific. Um, anything else about Dan? Is there any specific show that you want to talk about? I mean, uh, that, that comes to mind when you, that, that sort of describes your work with Brandy or for Jennifer, for that matter. Uh, anything specific that you, that you remember that you want to, that would be sort of iconic of your work with them? Um, uh, I mean, so with Brandy, it's been a lot of the, the, the traveling shows that mm-hmm. are the, I mean, we did a show in New York in 2005 mm-hmm. that was, it just felt like the most epic thing in the world, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because we get to go down to New York and uh, that was a, that was a pretty great thing. And then uh, certainly we did, a, we did a show in India mm-hmm. a few years later. Uh, so that was, of. Um, it was a very significant experience right, yeah. spending a month in India, yeah. just living with a, a friend of hers who works at the university and learning to work in uh, those kind of, it's, it was very, it was, it was a very strange thing. Right. It was, you know, trying to email and, Hey, is there a house plot? Is there a, mm-hmm. yeah, we have everything you do. Right. Okay. So uh, can you send me a drawing? Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, no. Just, tell us what you want and we'll hang it. Okay. Well, what kind of lights do you have? Just whatever you have. All right. Well, so source, I just drew something out with some source fours and this and that. And then when I walked in, it is not what it was just all, I was kind of like, I don't know what this light is. What is it? And PC, PC. Oh, right. I was like, do you mean Plano Convex? Yeah. Is that? Oh, okay. So, and how many do I have? Six? Oh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, so I'll have to do something different than what I drew for you. Right, yeah. <laughs> then give me a second to figure this out. Yeah, not your traditional kind of no, uh, dance lighting. No, uh, Although PCs are all over Europe. Like, that's a yeah, European yeah, thing. Yeah, we don't I use them here it. anymore. But um, uh, that's interesting. What else was, like, what, what kind of control did they have? What was the space like, first of all? What space were you in? Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you the name of it. It was, it was a, a it was a proscenium a theater. Um, there was no, it was a bamboo grid. Uh, I, there was no air conditioning. I remember cause there was just fans on the side of the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was not, it was a resistor board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the levels of the lights were dependent on yeah. how far I could push up the resistor board before it would catch on fire. Right. <laughs> So it would if I would go too hot, it would burst into flames. So I'd have to blow out the flame and then pull, oh, no. pull back the level a little bit. That was pretty. I mean, that's probably. It's not certainly. It's <laughs> that's of the most significant show work I've done with Brandy. That's oh, not no. it, but it is the the most notable story. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> wow, um, that's interesting. Okay, great. Uh, you've uh, you've done uh, a couple of installations at the Badashi Museum mm-hmm. uh, as an architectural lighting designer, uh, or designing for these insta- these uh, museum installations. Tell me about that experience. First of all, how did you get the job, and then how you um, how did you approach those projects? Okay, well, um, I I met everyone at the Bada through working with Brandy Larry right. there. Um, we did a few shows, and um, I think they were kind of impressed with what how I changed the space with little stuff um, uh, and just what I was able to do in, in the space. So it was just one of those, um, I think it was th- three years in a row we were there and we were workshopping things as well. And um, just because of the, the members of Brandy's board, we would do we would do shows there so i just got to know everyone yeah. and they liked me yeah. and it was just that's that's one of those <laughs> things that gets you a lot of yeah, work exactly. they liked me and we got on so um uh glenn davidson is their primary lighting designer mm-hmm. for most of the exhibits um and they brought me in to do i i worked with him on a show but then there was the um they had a window exhibit chantal martin was specifically a window exhibit 
that uh, they just needed somebody to just light her artwork. Mm -hmm. So uh, they just brought me in to do that. And then uh, I also worked with them on Star Turns, mm -hmm. which is their, their gallery, uh, their celebrity gallery in okay. the front. Um, you know, it was just at, it was just at a weird time and they just asked me to come in quick and do it. So it was just, um, what I found really interesting about, um, working there and doing that is that it's because it is, I mean, lighting design is telling a story. Mm -hmm. It's very much still telling a story, but it's telling a story without any, like the artifact is what tells the story. So you're telling a story without imposing mood on it. Um, which I thought was a really interesting exercise. So how, like, it's just lighting, you're lighting the piece and you're lighting the words for the piece and, and just how to do that. And then also they have this funny, um, not funny, they have a fiber optic system that I was not, um, familiar with, um, before working there, which is very different. It's like, a, it's basically a, a par 16, um, and you make a bundle of fiber optic cables because it's, um, you can't have any UV right. and you can't have any heat, yeah. um, and you can't have any infrared right. because it'll damage the, it'll damage the artifact. So that's, that, that kind of stuff's really important. So it's, it's, it's from a, everything is f through a fiber optic and it's just a little fiber optic cable that you have to file down sand and you pop a mirror on top of it so the fiber optic cable and you can get it's it's a bit strange because you can get a depending on the the focal distance between the mirror and the edge of the fiber optic uh, you can get a sharp or oh. soft focus wow. it's 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 usually it's about it's the same size like it is just determined by distance the size of the pool but it you can get a sharp or a I mean, not, it's not blue sharp or anything, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's, it is soft to, to sharp. Uh, so you just kind of figure out the, how sharp you want the pool. And then it also impacts the, um, the brightness, uh, because I think it's 50 lumens. I think there's a tolerance between 50 and 70 lumens. So after you light it all, you have to go around with a light meter and check each one at the shoe <laughs> and see, and it's like, Oh gosh, that one's too hot. We got to, so it's both visually and it looking good. Um, and it, like at an intensity level that doesn't destroy the, 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 the very old shoes. That's fantastic. I'm going to have to talk to Glenn Davidson soon because I've done two, I've had two conversations now where he's come up. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and I've been wanting to talk to him for a while. So I'm going to get yeah, him on the no, show no. soon. Yeah. Um, I, I did my first show at Blythe, but he was the set designer mm -hmm. for him. Come in from the barn, uh, which was basically a barn. He did a fantastic job. Yeah, um, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Hi there. Yeah, I know this interview is going really well, but before you skip ahead, just shuffle over to the show notes if you could and click on the link to the Patreon page for the title block. It does cost money to produce this time capsule of theater design history, and for a couple of bucks an episode, you can ensure that I can continue to put out great interviews with designers like Siobhan Sleeth. Go to patreon.com slash the title block podcast and donate now. Thank you for your help. Uh, that's great. And then just quickly touch on your Nuit Blanche experience in 2008. Uh, you uh, helped realize um, the lighting score uh, for an installation by Brendan Fernandez. Yes. In 2008. And Nuit Blanche is, just for those who don't know, it's the all-night kind of arts festival here in Toronto based on the Parisian uh, um, thing from sundown to sunup. There's art going out throughout, mm -hmm. installations going out on throughout the city. But So tell me about that installation, how you got involved and what you did. Okay, so, well, Brandon Fernandez uh, went to York University. Um, uh, so uh, he was a mutual friend from York. Uh, he got a, he's a, he's teaching at Northwestern now, I believe. He's a, he's a, he's a great, and he's got, he's got, I mean, I can't really keep track. He was sending out a newsletter, but he's a, he's, he's doing very well <laughs> as an artist. Um, so back in 2008, he uh, was commissioned for, um, and we blanched to do this exhibit uh, called Future Perfect. It was actually, uh, there was an SOS symbol in between future and perfect. Um, and what his idea was, it was based on a Montreal, uh, it was based on a Montreal housing exhibit, which I don't remember the name of, but it was shipping, it was people 
living in such close quarters that they were stacked in shipping containers. And that was his, he had all these references with it. He wanted to work with a lighting designer um, just to, like, it, it, it was really just making the flashing SOS that he wanted, he needed somebody to do and he didn't have the skill level. Um, not the sk- he didn't have, like, he doesn't have that knowledge base as to how to do board programming and everything. So, uh, so he asked me to just come aboard and, uh, you know, spec the lights that were going into it. Uh, so we had, it was, I don't remember how many shipping containers it was. I'd have to look at, I'd have to look at all the paperwork, but we had like a series of four par cans just kind of packed together in each at the back of the shipping container and a hazer in each one. And, um, they, the, 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 the whole thing as a, as a unit kind of pulsed SOS differently throughout. So there was always this low glowing and then different ones would just pulse with like a dot, 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 dot long, 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 short, short, short right, kind, right, of, right. kind of thing throughout the night. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun just going in and doing an overnight programming yeah, thing, you yeah. know, just the first, cause even the night before Nuit Blanche, we were, we were there and we were getting it all set up yeah. and, and, uh, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. It was neat. It was neat. It was neat to be able to do that with him and, that's terrific. Yeah. Well, um, so you leave, uh, so you get out of Stratford in 2012, was your last season? 2012, yes. 2012. Yes. Um, and it looks like you start designing everywhere after that. So what was your first, um, uh, what was your first big show that you designed outside of dance? Um, because there's a number of kind of important pieces there, but what was your first big kind of um, uh, non-dance show that you did that you were really kind of convinced this is exactly... Like you were, you'd made it. Like this is what you're going to do. It was probably actually at Stratford. I mean, my f- my fourth year in Stratford, I um, uh, for Kiss Me Kate, John Doyle was directing it. The lighting designer um, uh, stepped down during Q to Q, and John Doyle asked me to take over. Right. And the lighting designer as well. He was so supportive of me, and he he said, no, 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 just use Siobhan. Don't bring somebody else in. Use right. Siobhan. So. It, I mean, that probably would be, because that was, you know, it was in the middle of it. I was, I was just, I was, you know, I was just an assistant, but I was kind of put in the, I was put in the, um, the designer chair and Mm -hmm. it was, it was probably that. I mean, opening that show was felt really significant and, um, you know, working with John Doyle, I was terrified of course, but, um, but, uh, he was great and I learned so much from him and, and, uh, just how to shape a show. Yeah. And it's a weird thing because I was, I executed the lighting design. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't the designer, right. um, but uh, certainly that probably would have been around that time, the biggest thing that I had ever done. Yeah, sure. And uh, that is an interesting position to be in where you're sort of, somebody else had made all those decisions, but you had been in on those decisions as the assistant. Yes. Right. So you knew what the direction that they wanted to go in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you find it, I mean, what were the challenges of trying to, um, because obviously things come up in rehearsal that mm-hmm. had never been discussed. How did you navigate that, like uh, with those new changes, and and uh, uh, and how did you find the experience of sort of being left alone to do that stuff? Uh, it was I at the at the time it was quite nerve wracking. Yeah, sure. I mean it was uh, and it was tough. I as a, I didn't I wasn't in rehearsal at, in and. Yeah. I don't think any of the shows I at Stratford I was I did I ever go to really sit in rehearsal. I was more the designer would go in rehearsal and I would sort out everything else in the office and and getting everything set. So I wasn't I wasn't in rehearsal a lot. And I don't know if it was more changes during tech is what is what prompted everything. I'm not really sure because it but it just didn't it didn't go the direction that um anybody was planning for. I guess is the easiest. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly, I mean, it certainly speaks to your jobs as a designer to be able to find your way through that, uh, having been sort of left (laughs) in the middle. That's great. Um, and so outside of Stratford, um, it looks like you went, um, uh, you started working all over the place. Yeah. So, I mean, after that I would have, um, Okay, well, so I wound up going back to Stratford for a second year, uh, for for a, one last year after that, just because life was such that I couldn't afford it. Sure. But in doing that is when I met Howell Binkley ah. as an assistant there. Right. And through all that, 
um, right after Stratford, I wound up going down to New York right. to shadow him on a show. Oh, right. Yes, that's right. That's, that, yes, that's, that's right. the, yes. So that's the next. And it was kind of, I mean, a lot of it, I think, was because of Kiss Me Kate mm-hmm. and what happened on that. And it was, oh, hey, this kid can, right. <laughs> this kid just stepped, <laughs> stepped in and did that. Yeah. So, yeah, come down and, and watch us and learn this. And um, uh, so right after Stratford, I wound up down there for a month just shadowing and uh kind of learning how this show that i'd seen at stratford mm-hmm. and seen teched at stratford how it makes a transfer to broadway mm-hmm. and that was for jesus christ superstar that was jesus christ superstar yeah. yes tell me about that experience then so uh what theater were you guys in in new york the neil simon yeah and how did you um so it, first of all it was on it was on at the festival wasn't it it was at the uh, at the avon it was at the avon okay the avon. so you're going from yes. a process to a process yes. oh that's good um uh, so describe that exp- were you involved in the transfer at all or was that all howard's associates howells, yeah or howells sorry howells associates yeah yeah no no i just came in i they invited me down i think it was the first day of hang mm-hmm. i came down so i just uh started in with them in the theater mm-hmm. when they started in the theater and just um, watch the process from that. Right. Uh, and describe that experience for me. How was it working in, uh, what was your impression of the New York kind of method, uh, of not only design, but implementation? Um, it's very much the same, but much faster right. and much more intense. Right. Like the, the base skills are all, it's the, the same stuff. Yeah. It's not, it's not different. Yeah. You just have to, um, everything's faster. Everything's louder. There's so much more money. I, I remember, I remember one day, um, everything was a bit behind. There was construction going on. The set was still being set up. There were two lifts moving. Um, we were doing focus. There were two assistants focusing two different lifts at the same time, yelling up to people in lifts. The associate sound designer was on deck being like with his, the iPad just being like, mm, I think plus five dB. Oh, right. Uh, plus, and all this. And <laughs> ringing I, up the system. Sorry. And I, ringing up the system while the set's being constructed <laughs> and the lights are being focused. Yeah, That's and everybody in that, like there's, there, you know, like pneumatic drills running right. and, and, we're, and I'm writing focus notes and I was kind of like, wow, this is, it's not what I expected, but everybody was just working. Right. And just so focused and so in the moment that everyone was still doing their best work with chaos around. And I kind of went, oh, maybe that's what the, maybe that's what the difference is. Being able to, being able to do your best work under not ideal conditions. And intense pressure. I mean, there's lots of pressure for the producers to make that work. It's a whole other, it's a whole other thing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And you went out, let's just, just follow up, just end the Hal Binkley story. So you ended up. Um, after that experience, did you, uh, assist him again or? No, there was, I mean, they, they, there was talk at one point, there was going to be a couple of shows that were going to start in Toronto. Right. And, um, that was part of the reason for them inviting me down right, to right, have right. someone, um, a Canadian trained in their, their way so that they could, that, you know, they already had someone here. Um, but it all, it never, you know, these schedules change, so it just never happened. And, um. Uh, it wasn't until this this year with Susatska, um, Howell asked me to be his associate on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then t- just talk about uh, the process as well. So, um, like the nitty gritty, like how uh, d- did Howell do his own drawings? How are those ideas communicated? What's the paperwork system like? Um, imagine it's all the same. I mean, there's probably going to be nothing new. Uh, to us, but how do you manage a giant show like that? With, like, uh, describe the plot. Was it uh, was it a lot of movers? Was it uh, yeah? Uh, like um, the uh, okay. So the original plot it it, it is is it is a primarily moving light plot. Um, I want to say it was twenty six auras, and uh, I don't have the number off the top of my head now. I think it was thirty four, thirty five hundreds. Uh, I believe is what it was. Yeah. And so those are the VLs, right? Yes, VL yeah. 3500s, yeah. Uh, 3500 Qs, right. they would have been. Yeah. Um, the initial plot was for Vipers. Right. 
but we the, we the when the deal went through um uh we did it with the 3500 Qs. Mm-hmm. um so that was the and then there was probably about 300 conventionals mm-hmm. i think okay. something something along that yeah. something along that that's a big show yeah yeah it was a fair size <laughs> yeah. it was a lot to fit into the algen excellent it was a, it was a lot to uh, and how was your experience as the associates? What was your job, first of all, as the associate? Like you, you had, that's a lot more responsibility. Yes. Uh, uh, than an assistant. So yeah. how do you fit into the process? Because um, we don't have that really, that, that structure doesn't really exist up here unless there's, no. I mean, no, it's if somebody isn't, stuff, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Or if it's somebody, if you're not, a, it's usually if somebody's not available, right. you go in as the associate to put the show in. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not working with a designer exactly. as their associate. This was very much um, uh, creating a, a design with him under, you know, under his, um, uh, like his, um, his team right. under his, um, like his, his umbrella of, a, of, a, of a team. Um, so it, I mean, um, certainly it starts the same way drafting the plot mm-hmm. and, and, um, doing the shop orders like anything computerized, it was all, it was all neat. Like he would give me the stuff and I would just, I would produce all the paperwork. So all, all of, all of that. Uh, but the plot, the paperwork, shop orders, um, getting the bids out. I was, uh, it was usually me doing the emails with him, um, uh, with him approving everything. Right, okay. Is usually how it would go. And how about, he came down for the level set and QQ and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all sort of standard work. Yeah. Um, all, were all you tracking or were there other way. assistants tracking? Or? No, nobody tracks. No. Nobody tracks. anymore. No. It used to be done all the time. Yes. Musicals, yeah. Right? Like that was a thing to do. Yeah, moving light trackers and fall spot trackers. And I know. I didn't even else. really do that. I didn't do that in Stratford even yeah. because it's not even like in 2012 when I finished there because it doesn't, that's what the board does. Yeah, exactly. That's the board's job. Yeah. And we had, um, Colin Scott was our moving light programmer. He's fantastic. That's, it's his job yeah. to like, he knows where they all are and you know, he doesn't need a, he doesn't need an assistant typing out where the moving light is. He knows where the moving light is. Yeah. He knows where every light in the it, rig is. It's such a change. I mean, back in the eighties uh, and nineties, you needed that, um, work done because the technology was not as solid. Yeah. And uh, I remember <laughs> we were hand tracking for Rob Thompson when we did, when we lit um, the Chocolate Soldier at Shaw back in 97. And we had just gotten the new Strand series. Um, they had had, I think they had AVAB before that. Uh, but the Strand um, uh, 520 mm-hmm. was brand new and the software was brand new. And like the Strand was, the Strand itself was, uh, uh, was responsible for um, Strand Canada was responsible for supporting the product because it was one of the first big theaters to have it. And we were hand tracking every single level change throughout levels. It was like, I don't know how many hours of levels, 36 hours of levels or something ridiculous. Hand tracking, 100, like 200 lamps. Oh, it was so frustrating. But now no one does that anymore no. because the, the, the technology is so yeah, because solid. You, right? you wouldn't, it's just, um, it's a redundancy that's not needed. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, I mean, it's incredible to me seeing the whole arc now. Of course, the people coming through school now are like tracking. Why would you track anything? Yeah. Crazy person. Yeah. Um, and how was your experience on Suzaska? Because that was supposed to be um, that was supposed to be Garth Stupinski's like like relaunch of his career and or his his company um, or production career, and it kind of fell flat. Right, like it only ran. For a short period of time, it was only ever supposed to. Right, it was only ever it it it, it was it was always a short run because Opera Italia comes oh, in right, right after that. Right. So it was always the the Italia. There there was talk about it coming back in the summertime, but right. I mean I think that it's still being worked on. I just read an article on Playbill that it's on the list of oh great of shows to go to New York. Oh right, maybe it was a self. So like we had all thought that it had kind of closed early. But I know. No, it was all I know. On, like, everyone on, it. Yeah, it's just one of those. I mean, I can. It was pretty incredible. I've never worked on a show with that much, uh, with that substantial a budget yeah. and that many people. Yeah. It was very. Um, I mean, just in the rehearsal hall, just tech tables. There was twenty tech tables oh with three people each right. <laughs> at each table all the time, right. and you know, so just the that scale and that. Uh, it's just not something that you see a lot here. Right. So it's, it's one of those. It's one of those things. I, I, I don't know. I, I. 
Yeah. I hope it does. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, yeah. I hope it. I hope it comes back. But well, I don't yeah, know. I agree. All right. So what, let's talk about some other big work that you've done. Um, anything that you you think that is really important to mention uh, in the last few years, like after. Uh, finishing at Stratford and being done with that. Uh, you've done some uh, multiple work with Vicki Anderson mm-hmm. uh, and Max Reimer and George Pothos. Do you want to start in any one of those? Like, um, uh, uh, how, like anything important that you, uh, that you want to mention? Yeah. Of, like um, shows that you really. Uh, sh- oh, uh, Vicki and I just did the, I just did the orange dot with Vicki mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months ago at uh, the new Crows Theatre space. Oh, yeah. That was that was something. A new Sean Dixon's new play. Um, and it was, that was, I mean, I love working with Vicky. Yeah. She's just, the woman just knows her. Yes. She knows her stuff. Yes. She knows her stuff and she's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's like the coolest. Uh, so it's great. It's always, a, it's just always a, a, a joy working with her. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Zosky, who I just, uh, John Zosky, the, the sound designer on, he was on Wild Tales as well. Um, I've done a couple with the, the the three of us and it's just, um, you know, it's just a great process because we just, we just don't mess around. We start at the top of the show and we just work through it and that's how we build everything right. and we get to the end and you know, you, then you just start running it. It's right. just a, it's always a, it's just always a great process. Yeah. And is that from the beginning? Like how, uh, how, well, you brought on right from the beginning of production to yeah. be involved in designing. How did you find that process and and how much of it was realized? Like, how did you find your way through um, the design? Um, like, just talk about just your general kind of how do you get your ideas and and, uh, and and how do you get them? How do you communicate them? I guess is the next kind of set of questions, mm-hmm. right? Um. Well, we tend we we did a few. Well, I mean, we always do a few meetings yeah. in it. A lot of a lot of a lot of the coffee dates to kind of step through, and sure. um, we usually do it all as a as a group, mm-hmm. like all of us together. Joanna, you was the set designer on that okay. one specifically, and we'll go through and you know, Joanna's great. She's got. We had this one meeting um, when we went to see the space, mm-hmm. and Joanna's got her iPad, and she's you know, we've got paintings for references for colors and right. everything. Uh, we were doing a Rothko thin, thing for um, for the orange dot, and uh, Joanna's got these reference things, and she's drawing right on them. And then we can all just spitball ideas, and just and just push through it that way, you know. And is it the time of day? I mean, orange dot was a lot of the time of day stuff because it was kind of showing through the the dawn through um, uh, uh, dawn through early morning. Um, uh, thing. So it was a lot of time a day shift. And what does that mean directionally? And, and what does it mean in terms of the blocking, um, uh, with a, in a two hander as to who's, you know, who's going where, and if she blocks this, where can I put the shadow to, to show, show that like, so where is the sun? So it was a lot of that kind of conversation specifically for the orange dot. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's great. That's terrific. Uh, what about your work with um, uh, with uh, Max Reimer uh, at Drayton? Now you've been at, you've done a number of shows at Drayton. Yeah, I just the, two Kevin? seasons. It was just like a two season kind of oh great uh, kind of okay. thing. They just uh, is that the Kevin Fraser connection as well, or is that uh, yeah? I actually by? think it was Kevin that that recommended me the first time. I yeah. think because I did Sexy Laundry there two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I think it was on Kevin's recommendation yeah. that, that they brought me on. Yeah. Um, so it was great. I mean, it's, it's fun. I love the, uh, their Grand Bend shows are mm-hmm. probably my favorite because then you get to be in Grand Bend. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> wake up in the morning, go to the beach, have, yeah. <laughs> have your Tim Hortons on the beach, and then come back in time for rehearsal at 10. Yeah. It's, it's an okay life. It's yes. an okay life. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty good, <laughs> I think. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> Awesome. Um, what else? What other kind of shows pop up in your mind that uh, that uh, kind of illustrate your taste? For example, the stuff that you really think reflects your work. Well? I mean, a lot of the stuff I've done with George is probably that's probably a good. I mean, we did the Adams Family together a couple oh, of seasons yeah. ago at Neptune, yeah. which was a blast. It was great. My uh, buddy Chris Wilson played uh, Lurch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of and course, it was of course. Yeah, yeah. He awesome. Was, he was great. He was great. Yeah. yeah no. So we, I, I, I've done a few out there with them. Um, I love, I love, I do love me a big musical. Yes. 
I do love, I do love that whole thing. And Adam's family was great for that. With that, you know, we've got the, they've got the, the LED psych, and they've got the lusters, and that you can do that nice saturated color, and yeah. the, and um, and uh, it, that's a lot of, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, anything else specific about those? Um, uh, your work with George that uh, that you want to mention, or not? I don't know. I can't. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure. I mean, we've done, we've done four shows together. So, All right. I mean, there's a whole, uh, I mean, I guess there's a whole slew of things I could talk about. George, I mean, George is fantastic. I love working with him mm-hmm. cause it's just, you know, you just go and you just get, like throw out an idea and it's, ah, honey, yeah. I love it. Or ah, honey, I hate it. <laughs> just, okay. Okay. I'll fix it, George. I'll fix it. Yeah, that's right. That brings back memories. <laughs> that's, 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 excellent. that's what it's like. It's did, always that. Yeah. I did forum with them at the Sabri Theater Center. Oh, right, right. Uh, we had, that was one of the last shows I did. Um, fantastic. Um, Hard House. Let's talk about Hard House Theater for a second, because it's a historical um, venue mm-hmm. in Toronto and possibly one of the most difficult spaces to work in as a lighting designer because the process is yeah, sure 10 is. feet thick or something. Yeah. Um, uh, how did you approach, like, what are the problems that you have to solve? And, and, uh, and how did you, do you remember how you approached that or specific ways of yeah. lighting in there? I, I just did carry there with Richard Dizunian this year. I hadn't worked there in years. It's one of those places that I started working in when I first left Stratford. I did a number of shows for them. And then, um, and then, uh, yeah, I was just back this year for the first time in a few seasons. It's, uh, it's very tricky. Yeah. Um, the the good thing with Carrie that worked in our favor is they have they have one show that's the PRG sponsor. Uh-huh. So um, I had a very nice little rental budget for that. Right. Uh, so I was able to, and especially it being Carrie and uh, with um, with Richard's aesthetic, yeah. uh, he likes uh, a rock and roll style show. Right. Whatever that means. Whatever. Yeah, yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to get a bunch of LEDs and, and there have been, there's been, it might've been one of the shows, one of the earlier shows that I did there, um, that there's been a side position added on in, in that 10 foot cross that you were talking about. So there is a, there's a side boom in there that's kind of bolted to it. So you can hang at the center of the boom now or at the center of the cross now. Uh, so that makes a big difference, a huge difference, a huge difference huge to that difference. because it's like you're lighting two separate stages. Yeah, totally. It's like, like there's a gap and you kind of have to just accept that there's a gap. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think, I think Richard the third that I did, um, uh, Scott Penner was the, the set designer for it. And he did this beautiful, um, I don't remember the name of the artist, but it was these, it was a platforms with trees that were covered in fabric that that glowed and when we were trying to work out the spacing of them and how to like where the platforms would sit everything had to be related to where we could still get the angles on the proscenium and do because if you if you cut off too much and I lose an electric or two electrics then I can't so there was everything it's fine as long as you have a set designer that's happy to work with you (laughs) and and understand the limitations that you have with the minimal hanging points yeah exactly yeah it's a it's a challenge yeah. i'm glad you now carry the just on, on carry the musical i remember in 1989 yeah or 88 when did it debut 89 i think that sounds about right uh it was open it opened and closed four days later on broadway or something i had friends who saw it on the saturday before it closed yeah that could be uh, and this is not the only time it's been reproduced so obviously there was something about the time that didn't didn't quite match for Carrie. But tell us about the musical. Like, like I'm curious to hear about what your take on it is because it sounds crazy. It's based on the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's a problematic. It's a problematic musical, right. and I think it's fair saying that. And I know Richard even Richard would always say that. And I mean, I I think it's all right for me to say because he he does say this. Like he loves a. a he loves a project. Mm-hmm. He loves to fix problematic musicals is what Richard always says. Yeah. Or I, I think that's okay for me to say that. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. And, and um, he sort of modernized it and brought in the whole, uh, what would it be with the, you know, now teenagers, they all have cell phones. Right. So what is this now when she's, 
there on the floor of the locker room with everybody taking photos of her and putting it up on Instagram and that kind of, that kind of idea. And I'm the heart house audience are all basically U of T students. I mean, not entirely, but they're, they're, they're by and large that. So they're of the age that, that it kind of works there. Yeah. That's relevant to them. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Let's, um, let's talk, we'll just land on your work um, at Shaw. Mm-hmm. You just opened. Is it open already? Wild no, Tales? Saturday. No. It opened Saturday. It opened open. Saturday. Oh, yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Break a leg and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is your first show at Shaw. Mm-hmm. And you're working in the courthouse, yes. which is a challenge mm-hmm. in half because it's, uh, again, it's a, it's more or less theater in the round without the fourth side because the thrust is very square. And yeah. It's, not, it's a, it's a different dimension. Like yeah. it's not a. Yeah, it's not very long. It's not oblong. It's square. Yeah. Yeah. And the upstate area is basically written off. Like, it's background. There's not a lot of action yeah. up there. Um, how did you find that? Uh, first of all, tell us about the show, um, Wild Tales. Is it, uh, a, a, is it a new written piece or is it a... Uh, yes, Kate, Hen- Kate Henning. Oh, um, uh, she She wrote it. It's, um, it's a compilation of four of Oscar Wilde's uh, plays. Right. Or, sorry, his short stories. Right his short stories from when he was, um, when he was married with kids right. and he was writing children's stories for his oh, children. Right. Okay. Uh, so it's just, a, it's just, it's, she's kind of, uh, uh, written those all together, yeah. uh, into different sections with a remarkable rocket kind of being in intersliced mm-hmm. into it. So, um, it's a family show, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of just, I mean, it's it's a neat thing. There's a they have a workshop ahead of to, uh, ahead of the show for uh, kids from grade one to grade six uh, to become sort of like a, the chorus in it. Oh yeah, okay. So the so the kids are the kids have you know there's a call and response. There's a little song that they learn. Uh, you know, when the characters go to the garden, they are the they make flowers and they are the they're the garden. So there's lots of that. There's lots of that stuff. But then there's some themes in it that are it's very they're very it's quite dark uh-huh. it can a lot of it is quite dark um um because a lot of the lines that um oscar wilde uses in the children's stories are ones that he's that wind up in his there's a few lines from that are from uh the importance of being earnest there's a few from his letters from prison mm-hmm. that are all it's all it's all the same themes that he's just kind of working through in his in his stuff so yeah. uh yeah so that's that that's that's the kind of flow of it it's mm-hmm. uh so there's a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that the kids don't. The kids get it on one level, and the adults get it on another. Right. Definitely. Which is kind of essential these days for that kind of theater, especially if yeah. it's not school sponsored. Like the parents are bringing their kids to this, mm-hmm. so you want to have something for everybody. Yeah, and there's a lot of classes. There's a lot of class shows that come in. Yeah. There's a lot of. I mean, because it's the lunchtime show, it's an. Oh, right, yes. It's an. It's it's an hour long piece, so there's a lot of the 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 bus tours because you can see three shows in a day that way because yeah, yeah, yeah. you can see the eleven thirty lunchtime at two p.m. and yeah. at eight p.m. so there's a there's a lot of the bus tours that are going to it as well. Right. Interesting. And uh, and and what's um, uh, Christine Brubaker is the director. Yeah. Have you worked with her before? No, first time. Okay. And, and um, tell me about your experience. Like uh, Kevin uh, is um, Kevin Lamont, mm-hmm. the head of lighting design show. He brought you in for this, and he's been trying to get you there for a while, right? Yeah. He said you finally- know. It was nice working in rep again because I hadn't really, you don't really get to do that outside of the big festivals. And it's a different, I remembered when I was doing the plot, I was like, oh, it's a different, um, it's a different part of your brain that you use when you try to work out, you know, you don't have to worry about placing all the systems and all of this, that's all done. So you can just, you can track through the show kind of in a different way and, and work through how to use the systems to your advantage and what, what works in what. And, um, when you are just working out the specials for set, like we said at Stratford, like for set or for specific moments in the show, uh, you don't have to worry about lighting everything. So it's a, it's a different way of thinking through the design, which is, uh, was nice to do again. That's terrific. Uh, well, great. Now, um, just as we close, uh, just coming up to the hour now, um, what kind of advice would you have? I mean, obviously that advice from Michael Levine was very powerful for you, mm-hmm. for, for you and, and gave you the impetus to sort of get the training you needed. What would you suggest people going into uh, lighting design specifically, but design in general and theater uh, in the kind of training that they would uh, would want to pay attention to? Um, 
that may not be non-traditional, but or may not be uh, so the traditional, you know, know your gear, know your mm-hmm. technology. Uh, what do you think? Um, uh, what do, what what do you think shapes a well-rounded designer? Like, what would you suggest to people going starting a design? Um, the the things that they would focus on uh, to to be to come out as a well-rounded designer. Um, well, I think being an artist in your own right, like right. going to going to going to galleries, going to museums, um, noticing light, right. noticing light in art, being educated in different different themes. That mm-hmm. so when a director asks you for something and uses a reference, right. knowing what they're talking yeah, about, yeah. I mean that's a huge thing. I mean obviously assisting is assisting in learning different people's process and and. Because that's such a huge part of learning your own process is learning how other people work, I think. I mean, I know lots of, there's lots of designers I don't think that would agree with me on that necessarily. But um, certainly I'm very big on interning and shadowing and assisting just because that's what, that's, that was my path and it worked for me. Um, But also just being able to have a critical eye on all kinds of, all kinds of work, seeing as much theater as you can right. and you know museums galleries just knowing art and knowing what you like yeah yeah getting your taste right? mm-hmm. well that's awesome thank you so much that was letting designer siobhan sleet speaking to me from toronto in 2017 next time an interview with projection designer jamie nesbitt the music for this podcast is by Vern Good with voiceover by Gabriel Cropley. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help get the word out about this podcast and share the history of theater design in Canada. And you can follow us on Twitter at thetuttleblockca and on facebook.com slash thetuttleblockpodcast. You can send comments and requests by email to thetuttleblock at gmail.com. And don't forget that if you like the show, please support us on patreon.com. Feel free to share this with your friends, colleagues, students, and teachers, or listen to it while you thank lighting control software designers everywhere for not making your assistant hand track 50 movers and 6 follow spots over 500 cues. It's a pain in the behind. Just thank you. I'm Michael Cruz, and I'll see you next time on the Title Block.